Hey everyone, Alice here. Got a few quick announcements before we get to the episode. I'm so excited to bring you this episode, so we'll make it quick. Laser's Musical, Teaching a Robot to Love, is still has some performances. If you're listening to us on the day this comes out, there are still tickets for the June 12th showing in person in Los Angeles. Otherwise, there are live stream tickets for all of the remaining performances. I cannot recommend enough getting a chance to see it. We talk about it during the episode. It is so cool getting to see the musical be staged. Please take advantage of this. I've also got a second podcast that I started called The Bat Month. You can find on podcast apps. It's really stupid, but I'm having fun. And we have merch at alice.deals slash best idea. We have bumper stickers, character stickers, got a couple new shirts, and just all kinds of random stuff. Please check it out at alice.deals slash best idea. Enjoy the show. best idea of all time it's a podcast where we watch the movie carol and talk about the movie carol every week for a year and my name is laser my name is alice it's episode 23 we've watched carol 23 times now at least tell us about our guest alice we have i am super thrilled to say we have an incredible guest uh you know her from her actual play podcast burnt cookbook party from her incredible work at polygon uh making awesome videos and her weekly twitch streams where she does character modeling is jenna sieber Hello, thank you for having me. Oh, Jenna, we've already been admiring the many wonderful things in the background of your of your video. Um, so we know we know you're into some kinds of content, but are you into <laughs> Carol? Let's find out now. Oh my God, yes, I loved. I watched it for the very first time. Oh wow, okay. Over this weekend, mm-hmm. yep, I had never seen it before. It's one of those things that have been on my list for forever, obviously. Yeah. But I don't, I don't often. I, I do sit down and watch movies a lot, but they're usually like horror or kung fu. They are not mm-hmm. usually period romance dramas. <laughs> yes. Sure. <laughs> um, but I thought it was delightful. Do you think it would have been improved by having a little bit of horror and kung fu in it? I mean, I think I think it could have had a little bit more kung fu. I think if Carol had like swept in to the private eye <laughs> and gone, ha! <laughs> I'm doing cunt punches. You guys, it's an audio format, yeah. so you can't tell. But uh, I think that would I think have been you made it pretty cool. clear what you were doing okay, just now. Thank I God. think everyone yeah. could tell. Um, Good. I would give anything to see Kate Blanchett in a cunt movie. I'm saying, wasn't she? Wasn't she in a Marvel? Was she in a Marvel? Was she? she dead? Yeah, she was. She was in Thor Ragnarok. Okay. The bisexual she was, one. Yeah, she was. Also, good in that. she's going to be in the Borderlands <laughs> movie, which I still don't believe is happening or is real, but. Yeah, she's playing Lilith in the Borderlands movie. I mean, that is exactly who I would have guessed, um, but also surprising. Can somebody tell me about Lilith and the and Borderlands? I'm not a video game. She's a purple lady. She's psychic. She's a psychic purple lady. She's she's snarky. They're all snarky. Yeah, she's a psychic purple okay. lady. I think that's the best she's explanation. She's a, a, a tall, slender, beautiful woman. So Kate Blanchett is well cast. <laughs> she's, she's great at that. She could do it in anything, whether she's <laughs> robbing the Met or uh, uh, saving the elves. I love her. But yeah. So I, I, knowing a little about your background, you have, a, you have a master's degree in media and culture, and I believe there was a focus on horror. Yes. I've, I've often said that there's some parts of this movie that kind of remind me of horror-esque, specifically the way Tommy Tucker, the private detective who kind of just suddenly appears. 
um, there's a shot of Therese going to fill an ice bucket, and then and then she closes it, and the and the, there's just a man standing there. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. There's a lot. A lot of this movie, I think, has kind of um, an interesting, almost stilted energy that mm. I think is is in some ways. There are some shots when I'm like, I, I was very struck. Actually, the the moment after um, when Carol's on the phone call. I remember mm-hmm. being really struck because they cut to to after after that moment with the detective, they cut to her. Um, Carol is on the phone. Terry is in the background. Um, but the the way it's framed is like this lower angle looking up at her, and they they've got this really interesting background that's just like really tall vertical lines. It almost looks mm-hmm. green screened. It was the, it was a weird shot. It stuck out in my mind, obviously. But it, the angle yeah, of that was just like. Um, okay, you know what I'm talking about then. I'm glad. But it's just ominous. <laughs> After 23 times, I would hope. <laughs> I was watching it with some friends who were watching it for the first time with me. And oh, cool. I was quoting the lines ahead of when they say them in the movie, almost exactly. Um, ah. just, just to show that I could. Yeah. It's, it's, we're it's at the that ultimate phase of, of... power play. <laughs> I have memorized this film. Um, so I just to check in on me, I watched this movie on my phone because I've been really tired. So I finally d- I downloaded a, a video watching app where I own the movie and I watched it on my phone. It holds up. I, I, I got more audio out of it than video <laughs> this time, which I think is always fun. Um, I'm actually I, I want to I want so much of your like film analysis of this, Jenna, because like, yes, please. This movie has like such like it's so stylistic, but like in every way, mm. it's not just like it's a period piece. It's like everything. Movie stylistic AF, right, Jenna? Tell us more. <laughs> yeah, so I listened to a couple episodes of the show, but I didn't listen to every one, so I don't know if how much you guys have talked about this. But I think you re- repeat everything; okay. it's totally fine. Okay, That's great. all we have left. <laughs> I mean, if any moment you're like Jenna, we know you can just tell me, and we'll move on to the next stylistic mm. thing you want to talk about. But I think the thing that no, that peaked out most to me was just the interesting use of like strong vertical and horizontal lines, and the ways in which uh it it clearly clearly a theme of this movie and i thought this was interesting because last week you talked a lot about like the book and what the book differed that was really interesting Mm -hmm. but the (laughs) this theme of like surveillance and observing people is so strong and then we have this like visual language of like oftentimes we're seeing carol through windows or framed in uh, in a mirror is like the one of the first shots we get with her and her daughter. We have this beautiful long shot where we're just seeing her framed in the mirror. And I think mm-hmm. there's a lot of interesting stuff um, surrounding that. It, sometimes in ways that are really awkward. I, when she's accepting the call, when she's at work and she's getting that first call from Carol, where Carol's like, you want to have love for me? I don't know. Um, <laughs> God, it's so good. Uh, the way that it's... Might be, might be gay. Maybe. The way it's framed <laughs> is she's just standing in front of this wall, but the wall like absolutely bisects her right in the head. And I thought that was just like such a weird choice. A good, a good and interesting choice, but a weird choice. I totally know what you mean, that there are a lot of lines and I'm kind of curious what that they would be trying to say with that. Like, because the windows is pretty, it's like, everybody's watching they're hiding yeah that kind of stuff but like it does it just kind of gives an unsettling feeling is that is that the vibe you think i think that's sort of the impression i took from it because we also have like this there's this really interesting shot where we're inside terry's locker mm-hmm. as she's opening it i'm gonna call her terry this whole time they use that nickname once but i panic yes. when i try when i try to say her full name i panic 
That's that's fair. It, that's fair. We understand what you mean. It's <laughs> okay. it's Therese. Although this was something I Therese. noticed this time because I it was a very audio heavy watch. Is that there mm-hmm. people say her name wrong a lot in the movie? Yes. And I yes. I'm kind of like, is this just the actors not ever getting on the right page and they're shooting on film and they just keep going, or is it like, like people say Ter- Teresa, which she isn't. That's yes. not her name, but that's somebody who doesn't uh-huh. know her says that. And some people say like yep. Therese. And it's, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously it would be confusing to know how to say it. <laughs> and also, I, it just, it, it feels realistic, to be honest, of people not knowing how to pronounce your name. I, I, I definitely thought it was a stylistic choice because specifically Richard call, keeps calling her Terry and he's the only one who does that. And when she, mm-hmm. when introduced, when given the chance to introduce herself, she says Therese and Carol calls her Therese. Mm-hmm. I, I took that as maybe like Carol sees her in a way that other people don't. They just make assumptions about her because she's a woman of the time. And they just give her a nickname or they, they say her name wrong all the time. And she just she just kind of puts up with it. I can see that. I'm glad you pointed that out because I, I didn't clock to the fact that people were using different names. I clocked the one time they said Terry because I'm like, oh, maybe I can just call her Terry and then I won't <laughs> panic. But I didn't clock that they were using a different pronunciation. But that might be why I couldn't single in on one. Yeah. Therese. Therese. Yeah. Therese. Sorry, we, we, we interrupted. You were saying something about Terry doing something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so there's this shot after the phone call, uh, or I think after the first time she meets Carol, where we're inside of her locker and she just opens mm-hmm. it, and then there's this alarm that goes off, and she's like pulling off the Santa hat. But I thought that was again just like this really aggressively boxy, very limited. We're only seeing like this small chunk of her, and I I thought that was uh, there's also the scene where where she's fighting with her boyfriend whose name I don't remember. Richard. Richard. We call him Triangle Man. Richard. Okay. Uh, where she's fighting with old old Dicky, And they <laughs> the camera just like pans between the rooms where they're fighting and they come in and out of frame. Yes. And the very last shot is at the far end. She's at the far end of the, of the room and the door uh, at the door. But you only see this tiny, tiny little sliver of her. And so I think there is something, I mean, it clearly it's meant to like replicate the, this, like she's a photographer, so she's always behind this box and there's like these barriers between what we're seeing and, and where the characters are. So I think that's there too, but I, I think it's meant to be sort of representative of the, this limitation. Like we're only seeing the smallest sliver of these people at any given time. I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. I would say also... Cinematographer of the film, Ed Lockman and Todd Haynes have worked together a number of times. And I will say it is just kind of their trademark to often shoot people through windows and, and, and set up very elaborate shots with, with like glass or mirrors and such like uh, in, in, in dark waters, which is another film that he, that they made together. There's a lot of that as well. And I, I actually realized it was Ed Lockman just from watching it. I was like, all oh, these shots all look the same. Um, ah. But yeah, um, I, I definitely think there's absolutely an aspect of what people see and like how how they are being seen and perceived versus not i think a good example of this is when they have the when abby and therese are in the diner after carol has left and and abby hands therese the letter and she runs outside there's they pan and there's a cut of a man just like looking over um looking over at them and and like there's a lot of those like like extra shots of people looking at them and stuff um i really think it's a major factor in the scene that bookends the movie in the restaurant where they are in their own little world having this this very intense conversation about about will you move in with me? I don't I don't know if I love you. Those sorts of things. And then all of a sudden Jack interrupts them and it's like they are now perceived by the whole restaurant because he called across the room and now like <laughs> Carol Carol goes back to her very confident public wife mode 
And Therese reverts to her very frightened, I don't have confidence because I'm not sure about my identity mode. Yeah, I thought it was so interesting that this movie opens with this nobody Mm -hmm. who's not Carol and it's not Therese. It's just like this nobody. Uh, But like that is like our introduction is he spots them in this restaurant. And I I hadn't pieced together like this calling out of (laughs) literally just being like, you two, hello. It was so obnoxious. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I I wanted one of the things that I keep trying to do in my head is you know that when they they first show the train set and it starts and there's like two people sitting on a bench little plastic characters and there's and I want I want that to be like a parallel for the movie because I keep see like we see it so many times um but there's like you know you're going from the train from the city to the country and that's kind of part of the film but there is one part where the train goes by and then there's just a sudden shot of just a dude standing there like in the <laughs> little train set and there are a few times in this movie where there's just a dude standing there. There's like the Jack showing up at the restaurant. There's Harge coming home suddenly when they're, you know, yeah. playing the piano. They definitely get caught. Yes. Being He's barging in on them. Daffic with a train set. And then the, uh, and then the um, um, t- Tommy Tucker, like all these just like dudes just showing up. And that feels like that's what it's a little unsettling when it happens with the train set too. Um, so I'm officially full, full on conspiracy <laughs> mode, I guess. Is what I'm <laughs> i mean and yeah there's just all these creepers all these creepers peeping all these people all the time hmm? <laughs> it's a creepy peeping movie can... with creepy peepers it's <laughs> mad peeps so many peeping uh <laughs> i pieced together again as i was listening listening to the episode from last week like the two uh butch lesbians in the record shop yes. that are just like peeping her as her buy- she's buying this record I was so curious if that song in particular had some sort of implication from the time period. I'm not oh. familiar. I love the song. I'm not oh. familiar with it had any implication. I, I, I actually, because I've been looking into the soundtrack a lot more because we're going, in, we're, we're going on a road trip where we're going to drive from New York to Chicago to method film review this movie in the style of worst, worst idea of all time. And so I'm putting <laughs> together a playlist of all the songs from the movie so that we can listen to it on the road because that seems appropriate. And that song is called, um, what is it called? Kiss of Fire? Um, yeah, Kiss of Fire That's, is by George, yeah. Georgia Gibbs, and it's a song about how one kiss from the man will turn her into a slave for him. It's, it was the I'm a slave for you of the 50s. Um, <laughs> and I think, I think that's kind of, it is very much like reflecting how Therese feels so like enraptured with, um, with Carol and really being drawn into this queer world. I, al- I also really like the scene with the lesbians because I feel like it is a very New York thing. I feel like whenever I, I visit New York, I will ha- I will get into a subway car and someone will give me the up and down look like like who who are you what do you think you are so that 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 very much that felt very um New York like to me as well ha huh, I'm yeah no that's fair <laughs> I was gonna say yeah I, New York is such a weird vibe where everybody's always looking at everybody but nobody's ever talking to anybody you just you've just got to be aware at all times mm-hmm. that's how I feel like in New York oh. um. Speaking of up and down looks, I wanted to mention there. So there were two moments while watching this movie when I broke out into an all over body sweat because I was just <laughs> like, oh, <laughs> uh, and one of them was right after Carol, as Carol's leaving at their first meeting and she's walking away, it, uh, she turns back and is like, gives her like this classic up and down look. And it's like, I like the hat. And it's just like, <laughs> okay, Blanche, you can't. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
the heck? Oh, it's, it's so good. It's so it's such a move. It's just such a move to do like the up and down flicker of the eye and be like, like your hat. Just like it's a Santa hat. She's got major moves, Daryl. I love that. Oh okay, what was your other She's one? So slick. The other one was um when they were sharing the um King's suite and they were doing each other's makeup. And um, Therese is like, oh, I'm going to put on some of this perfume. It smells so nice. And Carol's like, oh, I'll take some of that. And she's like, well, let me smell it on you. As though she doesn't know because mm-hmm. she's wearing the same perfume she knows. <laughs> but she just goes in for this lingering neck sniff. And then they both kind of part like like swans in the water and they don't kiss. And I'm just like, I can't believe you, movie. Yeah, well, so that I, I actually pointed that out to my friends when we were watching this. I was like, OK, watch Carol go in for a kiss. Therese looks away and then Carol immediately pulls back to try to salvage it, tell a joke to try to not like seem like she's going in for it. Oh, see, for I read that as like a moment of flirtation of being like, oh, not yet. <laughs> not Interesting. Yet. OK, yeah. I've always I've always read it as Therese being very kind of oblivious until Carol's literally standing behind her, taking her taking her robe off. <laughs> it's it's possible. I feel like there's so much that happens early in this movie that I don't think makes sense unless Therese is sort of understanding the vibe. Sure, yeah. sure. Uh, Have you guys seen this Twitter trend where people are doing fake pride endorsements? Uh, yes. No, I have, I, I have not. Please tell me. <laughs> okay, there, there was a really good one today. Uh, as a lesbian, I'm used to uh, being unable to tell what is and isn't a date. Consequently, this, this pride, I'm partnering with Microsoft Excel. Um <laughs> That's good. That's really uh, good. Credit for that is DJ Cthulhu, the real DJ Cthulhu. Um, oh, okay. Yes. Yeah. It's it's a good it's a good Twitter trend. Um, uh, it's a good bit. Folks good over bit. at at Gender Reveal Podcast did a poll. They, I, it is funny to like. I, I think there's so much of this film that is plausible deniability with Carol and Therese. It feels mm. like it's a mix of plausible mm-hmm. deniability and like longing and tension and just drawing it out that is what makes this movie so amazing and also so realistic yeah <laughs> did you find yourself relating to either Therese or carol in 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 their romance or in in the, in the way their like courtship worked uh i think more i mean in a way i sympathized or maybe empathized more with Therese just yes. early on yeah. because i think her she's young <laughs> Mm-hmm. And she's she's clearly struggling to know what she wants. And so she's sort of she's just like frozen with indecision. Yes. And I, 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 I just I definitely empathize with this feeling of like somebody's kissing you and like you don't really want it. You don't hate it. It's <laughs> just like, OK, that's something that happened. Um, but uh, because you just like <laughs> don't know what it is to feel that kiss of fire. <gasps> Yes, it absolutely. Bum, 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 bum. <laughs> yeah. Are you talking about like the Danny McElroy scene where she gets she gets yeah. kissed by the one of the McElroy brothers and she's like, yeah, this is fine. Oh yeah. The the, the, the two characters, um, the, the guy who's friends with, with Therese and the and the film projector are named uh Danny and Phil McElroy. That's their name. Yeah. Oh, okay. I didn't have that context. I was just like, wait a minute. I didn't clock <laughs> yes. that. <laughs> uh, yes, in the, when they're in the newspaper room. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes. And and he's he's like should i not have done that and she's like no whatever yeah yeah, it's like she's still she hasn't learned yet like how to live her life and how to engage Mm -hmm. actively in these things and i i think that's i i think it could read as like a lack of character but i think it's it's just like this hesitance 
to know how to express oneself that she's still sort of working through. And like the, the photography is her sort of finding a way to engage with people and how to express this sort of inner turmoil. Um, and, and it expresses itself as being horny for Carol, which I think we can all appreciate. Yeah, I mean, who isn't at this point, right? <laughs> Good. You know, 23 weeks in, still horny for Carol. Um. <laughs> um, but but I loved, I mean, Kate Blanchett. I mean, Kate Blanchett is who I want to be in relationships. She's so slick. She's got such moves. She's so mm. perfectly quaffed and made up. She's got beautiful suits. She's just like... I mean, for the most part, I mean, that's like her deal is like she always seems like she's in control, except for uh, the one moment when she takes the gun out of her suitcase. <laughs> what my fucking suitcase. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and then at the end, when she tells Terry that uh, she loves her and yes. like it's the first and like you and Terry turns down the cigarette and like that's the first time you see Carol like, oh, I'm not getting everything I want. <laughs> Uh, outside of the gun scene it's like the most pathetic you see her because she's she's really trying to she's really laying it on thick and she's doing the the passive aggressive like uh you could come with me but i suppose you won't and and stuff like like that sort of thing and therese really holds all the power until jack interrupts them and then and then yeah and then and then it flips back like like almost immediately yeah i think that's really i feel like that's a really important moment i think both of those are really important moments for carol's personality because they're they're so humanizing and there's such moments of of great weakness, and I, yeah. I think it really it really helps humanize her. <laughs> there was this moment. I mean, I think we've probably talked about it before. It was something I really noticed today was when Harge, when when Rindy snitches on Carol to Harge, mm-hmm. um, like, and he, she's like, "Mommy wants to give Aunt Abby her presents." Um, and Carol looks like she's been like a little girl who's been chastised. She's like, "Huh, yeah." <laughs> I'm doing gay shit again. Like she just, she looks so ashamed. Like she's like in trouble. Um, oh yeah. And, I, and that was that's just another Carol weakness moment that I hadn't really like. You just see it on her face. I think I think that also happens when when Harge barges in when they're um when her and Perez are on the date and and the classic and Har- Harge and, barge. Yes, the classic like Harge barge. Yeah. Um, but but no, she she looks like she got she's like a kid who got caught going in the liquor cabinet or something. She's so afraid. Yeah. Should we start a band called Sneaky Peepers and the Hard Barge? Because I'm in. <laughs> the Hard Barge? Yes. Yes. I was just going to say, I love the casting on Harge and Richard both. I think they are both such iconic, like, 50s hot men. Like, mm-hmm. explicitly. As somebody you would have thought was hot in the 50s. Like, I feel like they both have that face. Yeah. Really Absolutely. Like that. Yeah, I, I, I definitely agree. Angular men. We, we should ask for your thoughts on, on our favorite anachronistic casting, which is Carrie Brownstein as Genevieve at the end of the movie. <laughs> I did not clock that as weird. I know you okay. guys were talking about that last week. I didn't clock that as weird at all. Interesting. Uh, I, I've only watched it once, though, maybe after 23 Fair. plus watches. Well, no, I, I, that was definitely something that, that jumped out to me at the first time was it's like, OK, I believe all of these people in the 50s. And I just I just don't believe her for whatever reason. <laughs> Isn't it weird how some people have faces that you're like, yeah, I could see you in the 50s, and some people just don't? Mm-hmm. Well, weird. I mean, uh, so I, for the episode with Larger Coves, I also watched Song to Song at her recommendation. I'm still kind of mad about it, but um, in that <laughs> movie, <laughs> Rooney Mara plays, is you know, they're, they're playing, it's like 2014 in, in Austin, Texas, and she looks like someone from the 50s in that movie to me. <laughs> she doesn't look like a modern mm. person. 
Oh, interesting. Uh, well, that's just a weird twist then. Then in that case, I think you're projecting. <laughs> I don't know. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> like, I'll you take can't, it. can't separate the modern girl of Carrie. Fair. That's Harsh fair. but fair, uh, Jenna. I appreciate you. Yeah. <laughs> we need to be brought uh, to our uh, held accountable. Somebody uh, has to, yeah, finally. <laughs> okay, so at Polygon, you make videos that go deep on topics in video games. You, you analyze some very, very, very niche, very specific topics and go really deep on them. Like you have a video about walk cycles, you have a video about cheats in games. Was there anything in Carol that you think could warrant that type of study? Oh, everything, every single part of it. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, again, I would, I would genuinely like to sit down and sort of uh, categorize, much like their friend who sits down with a piece of paper and a pen and is watching movies and is marking down. Mm. Like, because I, I, I to to go back to to talking about like the the visual language of the boxes and the the barriers and the, the hard lines of this movie. I wanted that to evolve, and I'm not certain it did. But I also, at a certain point was just so invested in their relationship. I was looking less at the lines of like the diners that they were sitting in and more interested in, in their emotive performance. But like, I, I, I think there's all sorts of things. Like clearly there's a visual language that is being represented here in the, in the forms of all these, these boxes and all these harsh lines. And it does seem to me that, especially when they're on the road trip, that it, it becomes less... It, the, 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 the cinematography becomes more dynamic and you have more like almost handheld moving shots and you have more shots that are open and, and, and not boxed in and in the ways that they were when they were in New York or where they were in, in these other relationships that, and then, and then that it's, but it's not, I want it to be more, I want it to be more of that. <laughs> I worry that there's, I, I worry that it doesn't transition strong enough. The one transition I have noticed in the film is just, is how they use cigarettes. Like they only use mm -hmm. cigarettes when they're trying to be straight or when they're stressed out about being straight. Um, and then they just <laughs> don't, they don't have them anymore. Like once they're dating and they're, when they don't feel like they're being chased, they don't smoke anymore. Um, and then they, they immediately start it again when things become a problem. Um, and then there's that whole like offering you a cigarette thing that happens twice. It's also like, very symbolic i think of their relationship but that's one that has a very satisfying thing to track okay i'll have to keep out for my life for my next view i mean i i can see that as like for your next 200 views for my next oh my god are you guys watching it 200 times you're not oh right? god please no okay i did not read the contract before i agreed <laughs> to be on the show <laughs> um yeah, I mean, I mean, cigarettes as a stress reliever, but also as a symbolic, like it's a something you idly suck on and you're not thinking too much about. I mean, mm -hmm. I could see it. There's symbolism. Absolutely. Um, so can, can you walk us through, like, let's say, let's say you were to, to make a video on the symbolism of Carol. How do you, what is the research process like for making a Polygon video? Where, where, do, you, where do you start? Mm -hmm. what, kind of, what kind of resources do you tend to go to? Oh man, it really varies depending on the kind of video I'm doing. Mm -hmm. Um, but I do a lot of like historical stuff. So normally I'll, I'll start with, um, a, a question. I mean, I, I, cause okay. I'm, I come from a, a grad student background, so I've always have, I'm, I'm always starting with a thesis over mm -hmm. here. <laughs> so, and, but normally that thesis is pretty vague. It's something like, um, walking cycles. What's the deal? <laughs> or like, or like, um, I, cheating is something I was interested in. So I was thinking about like what, 
wh- how is cheating? Cheating has changed, obviously, since I was a kid. How has it changed and mm-hmm. why has it changed? And then you you sort of dig into, um, I, I read a lot of like old articles from old gaming magazines because those are, I think, one of the best resources. Um, mm-hmm. Also like talking to people who have been in the games industry for decades um, can be a really good resource. So if I, if I were going to do something for Carol, first thing I would do is look up in uh, what academic writing has already been done and oh, read what they have to say. Yeah. yeah. I mean, because there are smarter people than me out there doing film analysis mm-hmm. and they have smart stuff to say. So I would read all of that. Step one. And then I would find something else to say that they haven't already said um, that builds on sort of what they have to say. So I'd probably do that. And then I would probably like, if I was doing a video about this, because you approach a video the, differently than you would an article, I would I would want to do a video about like the visual language of the set pieces and the framing. And so I would pick out like a couple of examples. I would rewatch the movie like three times, pick out the, the most interesting examples and how they correspond to the plot and the story arc. And then I would probably just sit down and vomit out some words and figure out what I needed to research yet next. I think that's how it would go, just about. Uh, I feel like we're maybe doing that in slow motion with this podcast, um, <laughs> yeah. simply because we like every week in prep for prepping for it. I, I'm looking up new interviews. I'm looking. I'm looking into new angles of yeah, yeah. being able to do research on that stuff. But I don't know that I'm going to end up at the end of the, the the year being able to or want to, you know, summarize it in a very, really catchy and interesting 20 minute video. You're not going to do like an in cap, like a senior pro- project on this. Where oh, you God, write no. down everything you've learned. No. I'm going to take a nap. <laughs> <laughs> Alice also edits this podcast. Alice is doing a lot of work. It's, uh, That's fair. For real. Um, Thank you for but, your service, Alice. Oh, you're welcome. It's, it's a pleasure to do it for now anyway. It, it may not be a pleasure by the end of the year, but yeah, we're going to find you're out. You're not even halfway through yet. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, coming at what you, what you talk about normally from a different angle, what do you think a Carol video game would be about? Ooh, it would be a visual novel. Okay. Sure. I mean, that would be my hope. That would be my hope. Yeah. It'd be a visual novel or maybe mm-hmm. like um, a cool indie game. Right. Uh, I, Annapurna Interactive. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, like, um, what, is it, what is that? What is that? Um, Oxen Freestyle, Dialogue Trees, maybe. Yeah. Or like we've, we've had a, a, there's been a trend recently in the last couple of years of like games about taking photos of things. Mm, which I love. Yes, yes. I love gamified photos. So I feel uh-huh. like that could be a really good angle for a, a Carol video game. I would love That's a Carol true. Snap game. Yeah, I was going to say it's Pokemon <laughs> Snap, but it's just Carol. And it's just <laughs> following Carol and taking pics of her while she's buying Christmas trees. <laughs> I would so, rule. I would play that. I would totally play that. So, so then, then also going back to your most recent video on cheating, what do you think the cheats would be in the Carol video game? Oh. Unlimited gloves. Um. <laughs> My first, <laughs> the first, the first that thing if, that for the for me. the listener, Jenna just aggressively wipe their brow. <laughs> the first thing that came to mind was the infamous Justin Bailey cheat yes. for uh, for Metroid, which put Samus in in her her bathing suit costume. Oh. What I would like, so, what what I want in the Carol video game is a cheat that puts Carol in the Samus gun. I would watch. <laughs> yes, yes, I like that. Or maybe it just puts her straight into bath um, bathrobe mode, so she's just like oh, ready yes. to go. The seductress plaid bathrobe. 
<laughs> yeah. Nothing sexier than a flannel bathrobe. I've always said that. <laughs> I mean, this movie convinced me, except for there's a point. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Here's a very minor complaint. There's a moment in the sex scene where they've both like disrobed down to their waist, but they both ha- still have like the plaid robe on their bottom halves. And we get this yes. beautiful above shot of Carol just like laying out on Therese and it's beautiful, but she does look like a plaid Naga. And I just, I was just like, <laughs> please, please, I don't have to see your ass, but please just take the bathroom off. <laughs> maybe, maybe it's a plaid mermaid. Maybe it's a plaid mermaid. A plaid mermaid. We, we don't see the bottom. Okay, that's true. I do. I would be into that. A plaid Carol mermaid. The weirdest (laughs) fan art that I would definitely buy at a con. (laughs) Oh, my God. I do. Actually, I want to say, since I haven't been back since I was just in the UK. Thank you, listeners, for excusing me for a week. um, We got uh, a fan gift of uh, a photo or a illustration of of Carol and um, of Therese. From Beckett and their spouse over in the um, UK, and it's so delightful. And I love getting love getting gifts. Would be cool if it was a mermaid. Wouldn't mind it. Mm. I mean, I'm just putting it out. You know, you just gotta put these urges out into the universe <laughs> and see what's gonna come back to you. We'll see. Yeah. Um, <laughs> has there, Has there been anything that you've gone maybe as obsessively into? I know. I know you hosted a podcast about um, the Animorphs book series, Vandalites, but. Um, has there ever been like a like a, a specific movie or something? Maybe maybe doing research for for your masters where you you really really dug really deep into it. Um, that's a good question. I didn't do too much research on movies. I mm-hmm. did. I mean, obviously, I'm obsessed with The Wicker Man. <laughs> I'll say that I'm obsessed with The Wicker Man. So I read tons of interviews and background stuff and watched documentaries on The Wicker Man, the original The Wicker Man, not the mm. like, Nick Cage, the original. Um, Because I love it. And it's just a great, beautiful, weird horror movie. And I I love it so much. (laughs) Also a movie where there's a lot of fucking, but it's a different different energy. Wicked Man has a lot of fucking. I would say, Carol, one of the things we've talked about is that the the movie doesn't have a lot of of sex or even intimacy. Like you really only Mm. get the little bit on the road trip because because they are there's so much like longing and yearning. And even in comparison to other queer films, there's less. And it feels like it feels like it does feel like a very like art house lesbian movie thing to have them have this build up to this very lots of tension and then a build up to one big sex scene and then, and then a resolution. But what did you think about, how did you think about the, the level of intimacy and, 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 and I think, um, you know, sex and, and, and romance depicted in, in Carol as compared to maybe other films? It's a good question. I, I was pleased with the amount of, of sex um, for a movie that is like two hours I mean, if it were if it were a longer film <laughs> or or a TV show or something like that, obviously I would want more. But I I mean, I think I, I don't disagree with you. I think if for the most part, like so much of the movie is this build up and this yearning and and these um, stray touches that you get when you're flirting with somebody, but you haven't yet like kissed or like broken that sort of um romance seal for lack of a better word like there i think there's there's a very unique energy in relationships when you are clearly into each other but like you haven't you haven't crossed a barrier into these these greater depths and i love that flirt energy personally so like when i was watching it i was like 
Oh, you're putting on makeup on each other. Oh gosh. <laughs> and then when I mean that's what that's what the the first few seasons of The Office just ran on that like will they or won't they energy. Everybody loves it. So. Exactly. And I liked it in Carol because I knew that they would. <laughs> if, <laughs> if we had gone those two a full two hours with Nary a kiss, I would have been fucking pissed. If if we had gone those two hours <laughs> with him not having sex, I would have been furious. But like I feel I feel like we got a good sense. I, I will say was I was surprised at the end that Carol was like, let's move in together. Cause I was like, I don't, I didn't have a great sense of how long they had been on the road together. Mm -hmm. And so part of me was like, well, if this is like a one month long road trip, maybe that's fine, but it seems quickly, but if it's like a four month long road trip. Yeah. I can see getting to know somebody was that well and wanting to move into them with them, not into them. Just over a week because they leave on Christmas. They leave on Christmas Day, and they have sex on New Year's Eve, right, like you do. And then, and then they, and then they, and then they, and then Carol leaves, um, like one day later. So yeah, it's 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 definitely like, like a week. week? It's That's... a week, and then they're apart for like four months. Yep. It's it's major U-Haul energy. It's the yeah, original U-Haul. I didn't want to say that, but yeah, <laughs> I think that's fair. Say it. I mean, it's <laughs> the most literal because she is like, yeah. let us move in together. Um, and that's especially weird to me because Therese has clearly changed quite a lot in those four months. Yes. Like she's gone through her first heartbreak. She does her hair now and wears adult mm -hmm. clothes and has an adult job and doesn't look quite so much like Carol's daughter, which I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's that's a big that's a big yeah. thing <laughs> i wasn't certain if we should talk about that oh it, it, <laughs> oh yeah it's it's been discussed yeah I like the the, okay. the mommy energy uh it's got a lot it's got a lot of vibes yeah in, sure. in, in yeah. the book in the book it's much more pronounced because because therese is much more interested in, like actively interested in carol but it is very much a mommy daughter thing M mommy daughter thing very much so. Yeah, there's like, have some warm milk and go to sleep, sweetie. Uh -huh. Yeah. Yeah. I just wish, I just wish, I just wish they hadn't. Yeah, that's fair. Listen, all kinds of kinks, you know, yeah. whatever, whatever works for people. Yeah, it's, it's no, that's month, fair. Yeah. I haven't read enough of Patricia Heisman's Keep kink and Carol. Yeah, that's fair, you know, that's fair. I respect it. It's okay. You don't have to. It's problematic. <laughs> Jen, are you familiar with the infamous um, Harold, they're lesbians meme? Oh, yeah, I love it. They're okay. lesbians, so, Harold. <laughs> Good. <laughs> so the, the thing we like asking our guests is, where in the movie do you think the, the old woman turned to the old man and said, Harold, they're lesbians? Oh, man. I mean, it's so, oh, God, that's such a hard question. It's either, okay, it's either the moment when Carol turns and says, hmm, nice hat. As she's walking out with that sultry burn down the barn glance. It's either that yeah. moment or it's when they're fucking. <laughs> I don't think there's no in between. It's one or the other. <laughs> That's just absolutely. It. I think you're absolutely right. Yeah, you know, you've, yeah. you've convinced I, me. <laughs> I don't know when else it would happen. Maybe when Carol comes up behind Therese when she's on the piano and she puts her hands on her shoulder. What a moment. Oh, this movie is so good. <laughs> I'm so glad you like it. Yeah, <laughs> we like it. Really good. Oh man, I want you to talk about animorphs for like, like I don't know, 120 <laughs> seconds. Um, because so I'm deep in rehearsals for my or no, we we just premiered yeah. the musical that mm -hmm. I wrote, 
Um, Alice saw it I on thought Saturday. It's, it's fucking incredible. Everybody check out teachingarobottolove.com. Are you guys um, doing digital and, shows? Uh, Are you guys going to yes. be doing shows yes. online? Yes, you can watch it. Oh, okay. I'm so excited. There, there is a live stream. Yeah, you can watch Probably all of them streamed. Also, uh, but, but there are two things that we've talked about today that reminded me of the musical because that's all I think about. One is you said, like, if nobody kissed in this movie for two, two hours, I would be pissed. And we had to cut the lesbian kiss in our film, in oh, our, in our no. play because of COVID. Oh. Um, they're just like, we don't want to kiss. And it's like, that's fine. We're going to make it really clear that you were going to kiss. And then later it'll look like you have kissed. But it's just like, it was upsetting to me. And I, I'm sorry to everyone. Um, but the other thing is that we do have an Animorphs reference. And I will admit, I am not that familiar with Animorphs. So I would love oh. for you to like pitch me on Animorphs. Okay. and what it's about in okay. a large and small way. All right. So in a small way, it's about these teens who uh, are crossing through a construction site and they discover uh, an alien dying in the construction site. And uh, that alien gives them a power that if they touch an animal, they acquire that animal's DNA and can transform into that animal. That's the low sure. level and hijinks ensue. You know, yeah. they're gonna. Sure. You turn into mm -hmm. a bird, you turn into a gorilla, hijinks. It's a great time. <laughs> this is so wacky. And then it immediately becomes a pretty traumatizing story about war and the way war corrupts and changes even the people who think that they are doing the right thing and fighting for the right side. Um, because these kids uh, learn that aliens are actively invading the Earth. There are these aliens called Yurks, uh, and they uh, are invading by crawling into people's ears and they control uh, by sinking into the brain matter of their their hosts. They control these people and nobody can tell who is a host and who's um, just a human. And so they start out being really gung-ho like you would like in a natural children's book or Saturday morning cartoon being like, we're gonna, we're gonna fight these aliens. I'm gonna turn into a bear uh, with the power <laughs> of horse. I'm gonna fight them. Um, but then it just immediately devolves into like, what is the morality of war? These Yerks are trying to survive. They can't live without hosts. A lot of them are not doing this willingly. But if you kill a, a host, you're killing a person. And if you kill a Yerk, you're killing somebody who might, just like you, have been conscripted into this war against your, your needs and desires. And it's... Um, it's a hard-hitting morality story that also has some books that are about pranks. <laughs> <gasps> sounds great it's... thank you <laughs> do i recommend it yes I, most of the animorphs i know i've picked up from tumblr so i know there's somebody named tobias who gets stuck as a bird forever and then there's a lot of questions about whether they fuck other animals that's all i know from tumblr yeah um but i didn't know about the war stuff and that sounds amazing oh <laughs> i mean it's it's i would say 30 percent great <laughs> And 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 about seventy percent ghost written. So oh, okay, <laughs> yeah. If you can find a, if you can find a curated list of books you should read from it, you can probably bang those out in like a week. Mm. Great, interesting, excellent. I was gonna say. I also know the author is outspoken trans right activist. She has a trans yes. daughter. Oh, good. Which you know, for for long running franchise fantasy authors, you you, you like to see. Yeah, you love to see it. K. Applegate rules. Uh, is there a reasonable question behind what um, kind of animorph Carol and Therese would be? <laughs> do they do they turn into animals that kind of correspond with their personalities at all? They they end up sort of navigating. You can turn into lots of different animals. You just have to have touched them at some point. So they okay. all have lots of different morphs, but they definitely 
um, are drawn to ones that reflect their personality. So like the big sure. warrior character, Rachel navigates towards a bear because she likes to be a bear because they're big. And they <laughs> she sounds claws. like my type. I'm oh, into that. She's the best. She has the most <laughs> harrowing story. Anyway. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Sorry, Rachel. <laughs> yeah. Um, so God, I feel like Carol, I, my instinct is some sort of beautiful bird of prey, an eagle, maybe. Mm-hmm. That would be my guess. Good Tur- hair. Tur- oh, yeah. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Immaculate. <laughs> Te- Therese, that's a trickier one. My instinct was some sort of meerkat, but I feel like that's very mm. literal because I think she's very yeah. meek at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but then, but then by the end of the movie, she's turning into like a like a panther or something. Like that's the transition, yeah. right? She's like starts yeah. to die and then she becomes <gasps> aggressive. Yeah. Silky. I, I, I thought I thought you were going to say by the end of the movie, she's befriended a warthog and raising a lion. <laughs> <laughs> And I would watch that movie too. <laughs> Carol too. <laughs> Carol too. <laughs> the Simba's Pride. <laughs> Simba's Pride Month. Wait, if you were gonna pitch Carol too, <laughs> if you oh. were gonna pitch Carol too, what would it be? Oh, we, we are ready for this. We're now. so ready for this, actually. Yeah. Go ahead, Alice. Um, we we love coming up with our our Carol sonas and figuring out what we would do in Carol too. <laughs> Um, mine is that I, um, so, so one of the things in the movie that we, that we don't understand is how does Abby know everything? Abby knows that there's a private detective following Carol. Abby knows that Therese got a job at the New York times, even though neither, neither of them have talked to her. Um, and so we think, we think Abby has a spy network. And so I, my, my character that I want to be is I want to be like a high ranking member of the spy network for Abby, but is also working in, in an office with a, you know, with a, my hair in a bun and a pencil skirt and all that. Um, and so, and so, so, so maybe like head of the lesbian spy network who also, you know, reports to Abby and maybe we have a fling or something. <laughs> okay. Um, and I want to be in a comedic B plot where Richard takes his new girlfriend to Europe on a boat and I seduce her. <laughs> God, those are really good. Mm-hmm. Those are both yeah. really good. Oh man. Where, where do you want to hop in? You can be no. an animorph. It's a yes, that's true. <gasps> Um, I want to be the, I want to be the character that Carrie hooks up with after, um, yes. being rejected slyly <laughs> by Therese at the yeah. party for Carol. Mm-hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to be the one that swoops in and is like, I couldn't, couldn't help but overhear you being f- flirtatious and obtuse. I'm into that. <laughs> <laughs> I love being flirtatious and obtuse. Yeah. Or do I? It's queer culture. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> oh, incredible. Yeah. Yeah. So, Jenna, is there anything that you would like to tell people about, point their, point their attention to? For me, I recommend listening to my uh, Pathfinder actual play podcast called Burnt Cookbook Party. It's very funny and very mm-hmm. silly. Uh, it's about a bunch of people who are trying to stop a time loop from happening, but they're the dumbest, meanest, <laughs> um, try hardiest, but most distractible people you can imagine. They all have their own um, plans and agendas, and those agendas frequently contradict each other in the most visible way possible. Um, but it's a lot of fun. <laughs> I think you should listen. Right. Absolutely. I love that. We love to hear it. <laughs> um, we don't, I don't usually do a plug, but please watch Teaching a Robot to Love, folks. I'm so proud of it. It's the silliest and most beautiful thing. I cried. I wrote it. Um, but I was like, it, it's, it's become way beyond. It's, it's a monster beyond my own creation. And I'm so proud of it. 
Let, let me just let me just say put in a word here because uh, I, I was at the I was at the first preview. Uh, well, it was yesterday when we were, when we were recording this, and it was it was so beautiful. Like I also spent most of the production crying just because I like I I've, I've known you for a while and I've seen you working on on it, on it and I helped a lot, out a little with the the cast recording, but to a see lot, it, yes, okay, okay, yeah, well, um, to see it really <laughs> just be staged and to become a real thing and to hear. To hear your jokes getting such huge laughs from the audience, and 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 the way all the songs work together, and 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 the, and everything they added for the staging, including all the props, all the choreography, all the costumes. My God, the costumes! Mm. It's just so cool, and and I really, really hope people check it out because it's such a it's such an awesome thing seeing it actually come to life in this way. Um, and 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 it's really, really special. Thank you, Alice. I'm so excited to see it. I'm so excited. We got the girls who did Sleep No More to do our costumes, and they're fucking wild. They're incredible. They're very queer. And, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then um, Alice.Deals, get your Carol merch. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. We have a variety of things related to our show are mostly just related to Carol. We've got some, I added some bumper stickers, some stickers of some characters. There's all kinds of stuff. Yeah. I know Jonathan Gould has almost everything from the store already, so shout mm-hmm. out to our number one fan, Jonathan Gould. Thank you so much <laughs> for always supporting us. Um. Do you have a favorite line from the film, Jenna, that we can oh, end on? I don't know the exact line, but it's going to be when Carol says, nice hat. And I just like oh, yeah, panic. That's, that's, that's I, like my heart. Heart. I like the yeah, hat. I like the hat. Yeah, I like the hat. I'm so right. glad you guys knew. <laughs> I like the hat. Right, well, well, as we say every week here on the best <laughs> idea of all time, while furiously wiping sweat from our brows, <laughs> which Jenna has been doing the entire time. <laughs> Hey, uh, I like the hat. I like the hat. We always say, I like the hat. I like the hat. Thank you so much, Jenna. <laughs> Thank you guys <gasps> for having me. Living for you It's easy living It's easy to live When you're in love And I'm so in love There's nothing in life but you Best Idea of All Time is hosted by Laser and Alice. Our theme song is Easy Living, as performed by Flower Links. Find more information about them in our show notes. The show is edited and produced by me, Alice, and if you'd like to find more information about our show or how to contact us, go to bestidea.gay. We also have merch available at alice.deals bestidea. Once again, that's alice.deals bestidea. Please tell your friends about this show, especially if you're friends with Sandy Powell, whose costumes are really iconic and it would just seem to be cool to talk to her. 